filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions serving Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They handle employment issues including wrongful termination, wage disputes, discrimination, equal employment opportunity matters, and more. They also handle civil rights litigation, defamation, and general litigation. For a free consultation, visit EhrlichLawOffice.com slash I mean, there's, I mean, it's great for a soccer game because you can't do anything else. It's good to not have anything to do uh, for teens because teens will get into trouble. But when you are in college, when which you're in college, you're also a teen when you start it. Yes, but when you're in college, you want to have like some exposure to something other than school and the. And it's also a very small college, so you're there's like two dormitories. So you're talking about exposure to like. 400 people at the most at any given time. Like, these are the only people you're going to see. And if you leave the campus and walk like a mile, there's a gas station. Uh, I believe it was a Sunoco. Um, so you can, I guess, talk to the people that work there. Uh, but if you didn't have a car, uh, and at the time I did not have a car, uh, you that's it. You're uh, potentially stuck there forever. <laughs> and that's the story of why Jason did not play Division Three college soccer for St. Mary's. Well, that's one of the reasons. <laughs> hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. I'm Adam Taylor, joined by Jason Anderson and the returning from injury slash illness, Ben Bromley. Ben, you're alive. Yeah, they, in the technical definition of the word. That's the he best kind of brains yet. It's a good sign. We're all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about DC United, the U.S. national teams, both men and women, the Richmond Kickers, the Washington Spirit, uh, you name it. We've probably written about it if it's about soccer and professional soccer, especially in this general area. We've got a got a show for you tonight. Columbus Crew uh, and D.C. United drew uh, over the weekend up in Columbus, up, over, out, far away in Columbus, Towards Ohio. Yonder. <laughs> Prepositions are hard, you guys. Uh, they drew one to one. We're going to talk about that game and we're going to have our good friend Kristen Knowles back on the show to preview this weekend's visit to Toronto by DC United. Before we do anything though, Jason Anderson, what are you drinking? Uh, I was thinking of a gin and tonic, but I had a little extra time to make a drink. So I ended up making a margarita. Um, and I was like, oh, I'll make a, a margarita with lemon and lime because I just got some pretty good lemons that I've used from some other stuff. And it to build to scale, like once you look at how much citrus is in there, you say, OK, I need this much triple sec and then I need this even more tequila. And so I built it out to scale once I had my citrus, which is uh, a good and bad idea because I ended up like <laughs> filling up the shaker almost completely. And I have those like standard Ikea oversized pint glasses I was just pouring out of the strainer and realizing that I was going to the top and it, there was still more liquid inside this, the uh, the shaker. So I had to grab a second smaller glass and have two margaritas is what I'm drinking uh, with Technico <laughs> so you have, tequila. You have Margarita Grande. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I finished Pequeno. the small one before we started the show, so I guess I don't have that anymore. It's now of the past. So just for scale, was it more Pequeño or more Medio? The second the smaller uh, Pequeno. one. Pequeño. Okay. But not like... Actually small. But not like a shot's worth either. It was more than a shot. 
Um, I had it necessitated a rocks glass. Okay. These are important questions, and, and thank you yes. for specifying. Uh, I am, for the first time in I don't know how long, just drinking a beer tonight. Um, it, it's a uh, flying dog, doggy style pale ale, um, which is good stuff. Uh, I'm sure everyone listening has probably heard of it, if not had several in their life. I was at the store this week in the Harris Teeter in Noma, D.C., and... They have not at all this summer had flying or had a dead rise from Flying Dog, and it's made me very, very sad because I really want some now that it's hot. They had some during spring, um, and then just didn't order it again, and it's very sad for me because I really want some some dead rise. I like Old Bay. Ben, I don't expect you to have a, a really good answer to this question, but since you're here and alive, what are you drinking? So. Right before the show, I made myself some uh, non-caffeinated tea, some rooibos. That's um, an evergreen plant that is native to South Africa, and it makes a nice, naturally non-caffeinated tea. And so, yeah, I'm sipping on that. Okay. As long as it keeps you alive, I'm happy with your William and Mary mug there, since we're talking about liberal arts colleges. Uh, let's get to, to soccer, I guess. DC United went to Central Ohio, like I said, on Saturday and emerged with a one-to-one draw against the crew. Goals by Ola Kamara early in the second half and Fabiana Spindola uh, in like the 89th or 88th minute, very late on. Uh, This was kind of a weird game and left a lot of different impressions depending on who you are and where you sit. Um, For example, the crew had a nine-point edge on... um, possession winning that battle 55 to 43 but they lost the shots battle 16 to 9 and had only one shot on goal to dc's five you can't really say the crew dominated with those numbers but some people will say that those people are wrong i would argue um but jason what did you what did you make of of the i i think it was mostly just a a clash of styles that really fed into both of those tendencies what did you make of it uh I like the fact that DC went out and pressured Columbus. Um, they've been vulnerable to that most of the year. Um, I think it forced Colum- especially in the first half, Columbus ended up with like 60 something percent of the possession and had two shot attempts and zero on goal. So the numbers were even more stark before halftime. I, I tweeted out uh, a graphic of Ola Kamara's involvement in the game. Um, or lack with, thereof. Uh, yes, uh, with a um, hat tip to Richard Farley, who. who I did not have the idea on that, but his words uh, sparked the idea in my brain. Um, and it was basically like three things that happened for the like at all, like three shots or th- I'm sorry, three passes. I think was pretty much it. And a clear. I think they were all backwards. Um, well, he I, and he missed one. One of one was a missed pass. Um, so United's pressure really defined Columbus's game. Even though Columbus wanted to keep the ball, um, they were. They did. They just kept it in their own end, right? And they were pretty nervous about it. They were they were um, not willing to take the risk of of doing anything where they might combine, they might send numbers forward, and leave themselves exposed because the pressure was really the defining thing happening in this game. It was it was United's desire to get after the ball. Um, if United is not going to be the most skillful team in most games, which has been the case for the last couple seasons. 
this is probably how this group should approach a lot of road games. They should be the team that is extremely unpleasant to play against. They're not playing dirty. They're just in your face, trying to win the ball, trying to make you keep the ball deep and, and be on your heels a little bit. Um, Columbus was really stuck playing hopeful through balls and that was it. And, and yes, you know, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that it was a great United performance because in the attacking third, a lot of the moves broke down for United, but the same thing happened for Columbus. Um, so it was a, a clash in styles, um, and it was kind of a kind of a strange game. And then a lot of people were complaining that it was boring and uneventful, and yet there was a very high tempo to it, and it wasn't necessarily frantic. Um, I thought, especially in the second half, right? And, and in all honesty, I think for DC and Columbus, this was an improved performance over recent outings. Um, at least, especially compared to DC's uh, last few road games, um, this was an improvement uh, for Columbus. This was an improvement. I mean, I know they're going to come away feeling, uh, you know, punched in the gut a little bit by the red card, by the late goal. Um, I think uh, Matt Doyle said that he didn't, you know, the goal kind of leaves him with no real optimism for their chances to get into the playoffs. Um, so that you know, they might not be able to see the uh the positive steps that they took as a team but this was a better game than i was expecting from these two quite frankly i thought this game was going to be as boring as people were saying it was rather than the game we got which was high tempo it's just the two teams were not that great once they got into the final third that's where things kind of broke down yeah i really enjoyed the the press that ben olsen ran out and it was obvious that it was a they, they had drilled on it and then they had trained on that because it wasn't constant high pressure kind of counter pressing the way the Red Bulls or, or Sporting Kansas City might do it where they want to press you into your own goal. There were moments of that and all of it was keyed by, by Luciano Acosta, who when he went, the rest of the team went as a unit and it was a pretty solid unit where they were kind of on all on the same page. It was really nice to see. Other than that, it was just a very high line of engagement around the edge of the the final third for United rather than closer to midfield where they normally set up and they would kind of force it to one side or force it back to, to Steve Clark, the goalkeeper, and then turn it on, turn on the really high press. And it was obvious that everyone knew what the key was. Everyone knew what the signal was to start it. And I like that. I think it was more of a, except for those moments, kind of a containment press um, where, where they would just try to, you, you can pass the ball around back here as long as you want. Yeah, we will let a, you do that. But as soon as you try to come forward or as soon as you open the door to a harder press, we're going right. to engage. It, it's a medium press. It's not the Red Bulls or Sporting Kansas City, uh, especially of the KC teams of the past. It's not a all-out you know press regardless of what's going on kind of high press. Um, but they were clearly looking for certain things. They were definitely looking for any back passes to Steve Clark, they were immediately going after him. Um, Clark, to his credit, I mean, he did a lot of playing it extraordinarily safe, um, but there have been times in the past, including in <laughs> last year's MLS Cup, where he did not do that. Um, yeah. So you can't really blame him for, I, I think there was one in the fifth or sixth minute where Sabo was right on top of him, and he just straight up kicked the ball out of bounds. And it mm-hmm. was like a the yeah. most no-nonsense um Completely like, yeah, fine. I'm kicking it out. I'm kicking it out. It's fine. Um, yeah. But and there were a know, few of those moments. There were two or three that Steve Clark just had to boot the ball out right. of bounds. But that, I mean, and that's that's promising. I, and I think it it 
gave United some set pieces um, uh, in several instances. Um, unfortunately, they had the bizarre knack of getting called for fouls on like 60 to 70 percent of them. Yeah. It seemed they, there was a stretch in the middle of the game where it just seemed like an automatic foul was coming. Like if mm-hmm. DC won a corner, there would be a foul. Some of them were obvious. Um, some of them were a little less clear. It was like, wait, what was wrong with that? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they still ended up generating some chances from that. It, they just Columbus did just well enough in marking up in those moments to prevent someone from really snapping a header on goal. It was, you know, a shot, quote unquote. It was a guy getting his head to the mm-hmm. ball, but not able to do anything about it. So, you know, Columbus, given the size disparity between the two teams, probably deserves some credit for, you know, okay, we're not going to win these aerial battles clean, but we at least need to make sure that DC doesn't win them cleanly either. Yeah, they they did a good job on set piece defense. Some of that might have... The, the Columbus, ever since Greg Borhalter has gotten here has been quick to go down at any sign of contact i don't know if that's what they were doing in the box if that's what silvio petrescu was seeing on united's attacking set pieces whatever it was he was very eager to call fouls on united in that situation i I wonder in all honesty now that we're talking about it i kind of wonder if there wasn't something in referee directives where he might have been you know they might have sat down and said look dc is grabbing dc is doing this dc is doing that um so key on it you know teams get reputations um, right, rightly or wrongly, and I'm not saying that DC deserved it or didn't deserve it. Um, but to see a referee calling that many fouls on mm-hmm. set pieces, and it's it's Silvio Petrescu. Uh, it's you know maybe the referee known for letting things go and and letting them play, quote unquote, which people love until you know someone on their team is stretched off. Um, that's his mo. To you know, people have been complaining about him being the guy that lets too much go. Um, and this was a game where it was like inside the box on set pieces. It was like nothing is getting let go at all, um, which at least was consistent. I'll give him that. It was a consistent application of a strict, an unexpectedly strict uh, line. But he was calling it. It just so happened that DC had a ton of corner. It was like ten corner kicks, I think. Um, Thirteen. Thirteen. Yeah. So they had a ton of corner kicks. Um, they had a few more free kicks on top of that, and it just seemed like a lot of them ended with a whistle rather than an earnest shot on goal or, or whatever. Just a lot of it was a whistle, and that was it. Jason mentioned the red card to Harrison. Awful. He um, went in for a ball with a straight leg, locked, studs up tackle. Uh, got all ball, um, but managed to uh, get himself sent off nonetheless. I thought that was the right call. I thought there was a chance that the, the foul was against... Uh, or he fouled Mar- Marcelo Saragossa on that play, who also could have gotten a red card because he jumped in with both feet. And I think it was the the way he landed that led to the perceived stomp on mm-hmm. Awful. Um, I don't think it was a stomp. I think it was him catching his balance. And if you look how quickly the the play unfolds, he he, it's just that's where his foot bounced. Um, ben, what did you make of of the the red card, the rescission today, and and Marcelo's involvement? I mean, I, I agree with you guys. I thought I thought it was a red card too. Uh, just leading like that, and we know you don't have to make contact for it to be a red card. Well, so we should we should take care to emphasize that because I've definitely well, true. Yeah, but, well, a lot of people some actually people, don't know that, so we should say that. that. Yeah, um, if your tackle is dangerous, that's the key. It's not that you you don't have to like put someone in the hospital for it to be a red card. 
if your tackle could have put someone in the hospital, that is enough. You can miss the guy and yeah. you can miss everything. Um, mm-hmm. If your tackle is dangerous, and I think both tackles were that dangerous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, th- I think a double red would have been completely fair in that situation. Yeah, and I think Marcelo is going to be hearing from the uh, right. disciplinary committee this week, which, and he'll get... Well, I hope not, because they rescinded Awful's card. Right, which to me is crazy. And, yeah, and, would, and Marcelo didn't make contact with him either. So right. Now, I will say... I mean, they both should have gotten the same punishment. Let's be clear about that. United yeah. did benefit from Marcelo staying on the field, and Awful not. Absolutely, they did. Yeah. But the idea that one tackle was red card worthy and the other wasn't, I think, is wrong. Or that well, yeah, neither but, was red card worthy is wrong. And yeah, but they're still going to suspend Marcelo's harvest. Yeah, most, most likely. Despite, I mean, despite how despite how right we are, um, you know, most likely given that he has been red carded this season, that he has been suspended via the disciplinary committee before, um, which a few DC players have fallen under that, um, where. Once you get that repeat, I mean, Chris Rolf, no one thinks of Chris Rolf as a dirty or violent player, but he got suspended via the disciplinary committee. And now whenever he's in, you know, whenever he was involved in anything after that one suspension last year against Philadelphia, um, you have to wonder because the disciplinary committee has shown a very strong tendency to come down on guys that once they've suspended you once retroactively, they're going to come for you again. If anything is on, if if it's on the line, they're going to get you. Um, and this one is a little over the line. So, um, I, I feel like what we're going to see is an over correction. Like if they had come back and I've been banking on this since it happened, I've been thinking Marcelo is not going to play next week. Um, I, you guys probably have been thinking the same. Um, but the fact that they're, they've already rescinded the awful red card, um, it's too, it's too much trying to, to, you know, pay Columbus back, so to speak. Because they say, oh, you know, Columbus should have been playing 10 on 10 with a lead instead of, 10, you know, defending with 10 on 11. Um, and now a player that should be out for the next game will get to play. Um, whereas a player that should have been out will most likely still be out. We're, you know, I would be very surprised if we didn't find out, you know, Wednesday. This is yeah. Monday while we're recording. But on Wednesday to hear the Marcelo Sarvas suspended one game, blah, blah, blah. Um, yeah, I'm I'm a lawyer, and I like the idea that the law applies to to everyone blindly. And I know it's two different panels that that review red cards and that apply retroactive discipline, which is a little weird that you don't have one body reviewing those plays and saying no, that was too harsh. No, that wasn't harsh enough. Um, it's weird that you have two different standards for that, but. Um, this was, I, I I know this is not the consensus opinion, but I it, outside of this podcast, but awful deserved that red card, and having it rescinded, it would be incredibly unjust if the rule is that if you don't make contact, it's not a red card, and Marcelo didn't make contact, so it shouldn't be a suspension. That right. he Ultimately, and awful have to have for any sense of fairness. He and awful right. have to have the same result. Here, right. Um, and, I, and I did talk to um, Jake Kedonese, who we've had on before, and he is a referee. Mm-hmm. And his reaction was that he felt that both players deserved a red. And if he were the referee, he probably would have referee or he probably would have given a red to Marcelo first. Um, but he would have re- red carded both players. Um, but I think that is the 
that would have been the fairest outcome. Um, and Columbus is hard done by not having a 10 v 10 situation. Um, but the cure for that is not to let awful off the hook for what he did. And I, and I think it was just that the, the committee is like, well, he won the ball. Um, is right. most likely the justification, but you don't have to, it doesn't matter if you won the ball if you go in violently. Um, yeah. I mean, if Marcelo had landed with both feet on top of the ball and cleanly rolled away with it, that's still a red card tackle. Um, mm-hmm. Would have been a pretty awkward, um, I don't know how he would have pulled that off balance-wise, but uh, um, <laughs> just because you have the ball and no one's dead doesn't mean that there's not a, a problem. Um but, you know, the other thing is players shouldn't go in head-to-head like that. You know, you shouldn't get a straight line run up at each other and go in hard right. um, like that. If you're going to go in hard, you need to at least come from the side to, so that you give your chance. You, you know, you change the angle so you're not going in at full force um, where maybe you trip the guy instead of, you know, putting your studs into his shin and, and yeah. testing the strength of his bones. You don't want to yeah, do that. and even if... And if you're awful, even if you go in hard, point your damn toe. That's all you have right. to do to avoid yeah. a red. Just don't lock your ankle in a position that will that is obviously intended to intimidate right. and or injure the other guy. That's it. You Marcelo, just... don't jump in with both feet. Yeah. It's really not that difficult. And that's the biggest problem I have with the the rescission of the red card. It doesn't affect DC United at all. The game's right. over. And, and any hypothetical down the line playoff implications, I don't care. The, the thing is, rescinding that red card will on the margins result in more terrible tackles and broken bones in the future. Because it says that tackle is okay when it's absolutely not ever okay to do that tackle if, if you're Harrison Awful. It's not okay to do Marcelo's either. And, and as, from a policy position, forgiving that tackle is wrong. Because it leads to more of those tackles, which will result in harder tackles and more injuries. And that's bad for the league. That said, Marcelo's was also really bad. But like I said, he and Awful should share the same fate. And since they forgave Awful, um, suspending Marcelo would be incredibly unjust in this this position. I, I mean, I, I'm prepared I have a complex to view on this. I'm prepared to be irritated that he is suspended while Awful is not, but... I made my piece within like 30 seconds of seeing the replay that Marcelo was not be playing against Toronto FC. It's like, well, great. Um, it looks like Jared Jeffrey will be dropping back and Nick DeLeon will be inside. Uh, and someone well, that'll make whether... people happy. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it's, it's funny. It, Nick DeLeon from the beginning of the year, people are like, he doesn't belong in the middle. He doesn't belong in the middle. Now when he plays on the wing, it's like, no, put him in the middle. Um, it's, it's a nice, nice change. Of... Yeah. Um, and, you know, with Nagel missing the game due to hamstring uh, issue, uh, I assume Fabian Espindola coming off of a goal will get back in the lineup. Um, but uh, we'll see. You know, Patrick Niarco is also pushing to add more minutes, and um, that's kind Lloyd's of an X factor. And Lloyd Sam looked pretty good in his first start. Yeah, I mean, yeah, let's talk more about Lloyd Sam. He was yeah. good. He had a really good rapport with Sean Franklin. Has some room to grow with Acosta, but they they had some moments together yeah. too. Uh, ben, were you? I I mean, I, I assume you were happy with with Sam's debut. Yeah, it was good. Um, he is. He played this game unlike most DC United wingers, in which he tried to 
stay outside and, and cross the ball in rather than cut inside. And a couple of times he probably would have done better to cut inside and go straight to goal. But that's something that'll come with learning his teammates and uh, learning things like that. So, yeah, I, I liked his, his debut a lot and hope to see more of it coming up against Toronto. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll go ahead, Jay. No, um, I was just gonna say I, I pretty much agree. I think the the tendency to stay wide is probably by design. Uh, with Saborio going up against Parkhurst and Tyson Wall, um, staying wide and and hitting and crosses is probably a good idea. But you know the the opportunities to cross in the air ended up not really materializing that often. So a lot of them were low crosses in the instead. Um, which is fine. You know, it's better to change your plan and adapt than to just, you know, what was on the chalkboard right before the game, like, oh, cross in the air. Okay. I'm going to do it anyway, regardless of the circumstances. Um, that's not a good idea. So it's good to see, um, something by design adapted. And I think he ended up with five key passes. I think some of them were on set pieces. Um, that's still a lot of key passes. It is, but at the same time, because they were on corners, it's a little, right. You know, I still think it was a it was a good debut given that he's had less than a week of full training. Um, not, I you know, I don't want to sit here and say that he was spectacular or anything, but it was a, a promising debut. Um, it points toward, uh, you know, good things and and better days for United creatively. Um, if they get him and Acosta and Niarco on the field uh, all at the same time, uh, I think you've got some real potential there. I mean, if Nagel's been pretty decent this season, and if the lineup is is good enough that him and Espindola can't get into the lineup, that's pretty good as far as creating chances goes. Um, the need to sign a striker is still there, um, but I think everyone knows that. I don't think that's breaking any news. Um, no, but it was the next thing on my list to talk about, so that's no. like the, the third or that's fourth thing tonight you've, uh, you've managed <laughs> to anticipate and made me come up with a creative transition we're or on, something we're on 192 shows i should be figuring the, these things out <laughs> it's true and early on in the shows uh when we were recording this four years ago i would share the outline with you guys so you'd know what was coming and i no longer do that um and you still manage to know exactly what's coming up good work it, it only took 192 repetitions right. to really nail the chemistry this on this show malcolm gladwell's next book will be about is like no the tipping point is actually just 192 not All right. ten thousand. That's what we've learned tonight. Although it may be, it may have been ten thousand hours recording those hundred ninety-two <laughs> episodes. Or fighting with technology. Oh man! So, like Jason said, DC United needs a, a number nine in the the worst way. And Alvaro Sabario has been better than expected this year. I think, um, as far as his goal totals and his hold-up play, especially in some of these games um, in the four-one-four-one that Ben Olsen has switched to. Um, that said, he's on the, the back end of his career and United needs someone to start. And Alhaji Kamara, as much as I love the guy's game and I love his story, he doesn't provide, he, he's a guy who wants to run the channels. He, he doesn't work as well in the buildup, especially when we need to clear the ball and hold it up so that, uh, the other, the rest of the team can come into the play. But even in a regular, good possession buildup. He doesn't provide the same thing that Alvaro Sabarillo is able to. Uh, so, so I think getting a youngish target guy is, is obviously the number one thing on, on Ben Olsen's list. 
And I don't think that, like you said, that's not breaking any news, but I think this game showed the need for that. Yeah, because the performance behind uh, behind Sabo was good enough to create some real chances that uh, he wasn't he wasn't bad in this game. He just wasn't that great. Um, the defensive side of the game, he was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought his work uh, tactically when the United was trying to high press was very smart. Um, but as followed the game really well, absolutely. Right. But but. You have to be able to to add goal scoring danger to that uh, on this team. This team isn't so skillful in the midfield that they're going to create these incredibly easy chances um, on a regular basis. It's got to be you've got to find a forward who can do a little bit more on their own, who can create not just their own chances but chances for others. Um, a few weeks ago, when the four one four one debuted, uh, Sabo was really good. Mm-hmm. That first outing, the last DC's last home game, um, you know he he really was excellent in that one. But we had the benefit of catching New England without; and they did not have a scouting report on how this system would work. Um, teams have figured it out. They know that Sabario is not all that mobile anymore, um, and their center backs are keying on that, and they're getting there first a lot of times. So he can't you know, take a first touch and then lay it off for a runner and said his first touch is challenged. So instead of setting himself up for that pass, he's just saying, I got to hold this guy off. And that's, that's it. Um, it limits the options he has. Um, Kamara showed some instincts towards, uh, or some, some willingness to add that to his game or, or develop that, um, on the goal itself. He was trying to play back to goal and, and set up a spindle. It just, he got the ball poked away from him. We got lucky that Will Trapp's first touch was to poke it into his plant foot, um, which then gave a spindle the assist. Um, so thanks, Will Trapp. Well, gave um, Kamara the assist on a spindle's goal. <laughs> right. Um, but uh, that's, the, you know, if if Kamara can add that, um, because mm-hmm. I'm not going to say he's like Damoduro speed, but he's got pretty decent speed for, for a, a theoretical target forward. If you had a target man who is that fast, you've got something going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's still young. We have to remember, um, Alhaji Kamara is 22, I think, that's uh, right. yeah. I think off the top of my head. Um, so he's still very young. He's got a lot of professional experience. So this is something he can develop, but this season right now, United needs to f- either find a way to play with him and not have a target man, which is going to be difficult in this setup, or they need to augment their forward situation by adding someone who is more mobile than Saborio. Um, but that has that hold-up capability that Kamara doesn't have yet, and maybe he develops it, maybe he doesn't. Um, but right now, the solution really—you've got to hit the transfer market, most likely, either that or or a trade for someone within the league, um, because this team needs that ability to score goals. Uh, it's just not—or well, I mean, no—it's it, not a surprise to anyone listening to this that DC is struggling to create enough goals. And sometimes it's just finishing. I mean, this was a game where they took 15 shots on the road. Um, they had, what was it? I think it was actually like more than double the number of shots of Columbus, right? Yeah, um, it, was, it was 15 well, not seven. quite. It was 16-9 at the end, but shots oh, on goal okay. were 5-1. Okay. All right, they, they've added, you know, Opta updates things. I don't know if people know this, yeah. but they update things as games go. So at, right after the game, they said 15-7, um, mm-hmm. I think. Um, but close enough, you know, they outshot Columbus by a lot is the, is the point. Um, but you only have five shots on goal. Uh, yeah. 
And if you up that number a couple, and if a couple of those shots are a little better quality, maybe we're talking about a 2-1 win. And that changes a lot in this situation. And United could have used a, a win on the road. Um, and not just a fortunate win on the road like their previous one in Kansas City, um, which was entirely down to a, a goalkeeping error and Kamara's willingness to go high-press the guy. Um, United needs to have some sort of ability to win road games that is more than just reliant on the other team making a mistake. Um, they need to be able to create chances of their own. And adding the high press is good. Um, and that makes it easier to create your own chances, but you still have to finish them off. Um, and that's, I mean, I'm, I doubt that this is a surprise to anyone at the team. I'm sure they're not sitting around thinking, no, 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 this is fine. Um, they're probably calling numbers, knocking on doors, so to speak. I hope they're not going door to door asking for strikers. That's just not productive. Um, it's a waste of time, but, uh, you know, they're, they're, I assume it's a high priority. I would assume that that's the next thing that will happen. We've heard them say that they're, they've got money to spend, that they're looking to make moves. Um, now move they can do it. Yeah. You know, they've made one and uh, bringing in Lloyd Sam and they did give up some money in that uh, department, but we're pretty sure that they've got plenty more. Um, that wasn't the, like, that wasn't the arsenal. That wasn't the, the full wallet being, uh, spilt. Um, right. When does this transfer window close? I know it's, it's it ends it's a the, short window. It, we're we're two weeks away basically uh, okay. right now. Yeah, it's beginning August like 4th. August fourth. Yeah, August third okay. or fourth. I think Ben and I have had this conversation with somebody else, and we also were settling on two different days, but we were very close. Um, so it's somewhere the first in that range. So. Yeah, first week of August. Um, so United has two weeks more or less to get something to make something happen, and. You know, it would be encouraging to hear at the very, I mean, if they can't make something happen, you'd at least like to hear that they really pushed for something to happen and it just didn't work out. Um, I mean, it's a consolation prize, but at least it's something. Um, and I, right. I don't think that they need to be told, uh, go sign a striker. I think they're probably, have probably been thinking, we need a striker. Um, so we'll see. It's going to be an interesting couple of weeks, that's for sure. Ben, anything else you want to add before we take a break and bring Kristen on to talk TFC? Nope. All right, then we're going to take a break and bring Kristen on to talk TFC. Stick around. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. Hey, Ben, um, you wouldn't say this is a hostile work environment, would you? You can tell Uh, me. Depends. I mean... Well, I should ask you. I mean, is are goats hostile? Uh, I think goats are are hostile. I think that they are secretly trying to take over the world. But but if this were a hostile work environment, or if I were trying to steal your wages, or or do something else oh, nefarious in a, I'm really not. Uh, but in a workplace environment, you know who to call, right? Because you live in the District of Columbia or Northern Virginia. I, I do. It's the Ehrlich Law Office. It is the Ehrlich Law Office. Uh, they they offer discrimination, wage, and litigation solutions in Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia, which means I can totally create a hostile work environment for Jason. Except, no, he, they, they wouldn't want me to say that. That would be bad. I do not want to create a hostile work environment for anyone. But Jason couldn't call them nonetheless because he lives in Maryland. Sorry, Jason. I'll fight my way through this. All right. 
they handle workplace discrimination, wage theft, uh, non-compete clauses, and uh, non-solicitation litigation. They handle civil rights and government takings and disability and education law. They handle a lot of things. And if you are interested in a free consultation, head to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Welcome back to Filibuster, the Black and Red United podcast. We are joined now by our good friend, Kristen Knowles from the Vocal Minority podcast. She's here to help us look ahead to Toronto FC, who will be hosting DC United this Saturday at BMO Field. Toronto are two points ahead of United um, and with a certain red line between the two teams (laughs) as well. Uh, Like I said, United will be visiting them on Saturday, 730. That'll be on News Channel 8 in the district and your local Sinclair station uh, in the hinterlands. Yes, you people who live outside of D.C., I called you the hinterlands. It's true. Just own it. Kristen, welcome back to the show. Thanks. It's always fun to be with you guys. You know what my first question is? What are you drinking? Um, Actually, I am drinking water right now because we recorded earlier and I've had... My fair share of beer this evening before I have to work tomorrow morning. So I was drinking a local brewery called Collective Arts, which is my favorite, uh, Stranger Than Fiction, which I think is appropriate when doing a podcast about soccer. That is entirely fair. Especially, especially um, and responsible teams. on your part. Well, you know, I have to get up at 530. I have to stop drinking. <laughs> So to, to get you out of here so we don't keep you up too late tonight, oh, no worries. Let, let's jump in. What's up with Jovinko? Oh, my goodness. He is in a <laughs> funk something fierce. Um, you know what? It's uh, something we talk about every single week and probably every day. I think it's a combination of, you know what, last season, the other teams, other players had never seen, you know, his like, I guess, and he was able to run rampant and have a lot of fun and you know, he just scored whenever he wanted to. It was, you know, it was ridiculously fun to watch him, but it was like a video game. And now this season, um, TSC hasn't had the support to, to help him, but also to other teams know that if you just throw like six bodies at him or two or three bodies, he gets frustrated. He shoots too quickly. He takes a thousand shots every game. And, um, He's really frustrated. He's visibly frustrated. He's frustrated with uh, his teammates. He doesn't trust anyone he plays with, it seems. And he doesn't... um, He's got no patience right now, which is... It's hard to watch. It's hard to see him... Oh, 40 yards out. This seems reasonable. Let's just shoot from here. And no, you just don't do that. Um, It's going to get worse before it gets better, I fear. If he doesn't score this weekend and... Um, if he doesn't score against Columbus next week, it's just, uh, it's a frustrating thing to watch a a really good player be this poor, really. So last time we had you on, we, I I think we asked you about the, the remade defense that Toronto brought in this off season, um, last year and historically for (laughs) TFC, it's been a, a rough go at the back. Um, how are you liking this new feeling of having a surprisingly really good defense. It is delightful. I very much enjoy it. Uh, It is. Are you getting used to it? 
or no. is it feels oh no 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 oh no i waiting for the other shoe to drop every game <laughs> i i'm convinced that this game will be the one where the true defense rises up and says oh no we don't know what we're doing anymore and we're gonna let in four goals every game no it's i mean um, i hope this game is that game i really oh, do. I, I know you do and uh I'm, <laughs> I'm sure that you're hoping that acosta suddenly plays like he knows what he's doing or gets to play who knows um but uh no, it's it's a lot of fun to see competent defense. Right now, it's terrifying because we don't have Clint Irwin. And uh, sure, I'm sure Alex Bono has a, a future in this game, but it's uh, a little bit terrifying to see him play sometimes. And I think that some of the defense is having to double their game right now. And so you've got you know some inexperience out there. Josh Williams... I like Josh Williams. He seems like a nice lad, but, um, you know, he's not that experienced. And you've got Beta Shore and Moore who are having to do maybe more work than is needed. But we're still managing to keep out the majority of the goals. And, no, it continues to be my greatest joy. Plus that Justin Morrow is apparently a scoring machine. Who knew? So that delights <laughs> and, me. Like, and nobody's Beta business. Like a, Beta Shore looked like a glimpse of his former self, too, getting up, up the wing really well on that game. Exactly. Who knew he could move like that? No, it's uh, it's a lot of it's fun to have a competent defense. The rest of the team is injured or twelve. So, um. <laughs> uh, Kristen, I, I guess I'll be the bearer of the the bad news that you probably knew was coming. Um, no. For our fans that don't that didn't pay attention over the weekend to TFC's result, they lost two one to San Jose, who had nine men at the time of I their goal. Talk about it. Wait, why did I agree to come on here? <laughs> um, I can, I can say for a first, I, I have to say I sympathize because don't. D, no DC lost a game nine on 11, 15 years ago. And I still know not just that it happened, <laughs> oh, but that it was at, it was at, uh, it was at crew stadium. And it was in overtime. This was back when MLS had a golden goal overtime, and they conceded the winner in overtime. Um, and I listened to the game on internet radio while at work. My my boss was nice enough to let me sort of stand in. I worked at a soccer store, and I got to stand in the door between the back where the shoes are and the front where I could see whether there were customers or not. So I had one ear on the game and my eyes <laughs> facing the store, and I had to endure that 9-on-11 uh, losing. Uh, while at work where you can't just like swear and throw things. Um, well, you can, but you, you know, there are consequences. You probably get fired, um, but yeah. Probably. Um, but, uh, how does Toronto bounce back from that? Like mentally, that's such a frustrating thing to do, even if it is Giovinco plus a defense and 10 kids. Um, what do you like? How do they come back together and, and get their heads right after that? Oh, they just fucking do. Oh, sorry. No, you don't care. Um, it's, uh, I was like, wait a second. Sorry, I was on Finding Toronto last week, and one of their rules is no swearing. And you've listened to our uh, podcast, and you know one of my greatest joys is swearing. So I was really <laughs> sort of forgot where I was for a minute. No, it's um, it's one of those games where and we, of course, took like an hour talking about it tonight on ours, um, that you have to decide if you're going to blame the players, you're going to blame the coach, you're going to look at it as a one-off. They're, and they're all true. It's all the correct answer. It's the player's fault. It's the coach's fault. But it's also a one-off. 
teams don't generally lose to nine men. It's just ridiculous. So they have to put it behind them and realize they've got a four game homestand and they've got an opportunity to, you know, move up the standings, win the Chilean cup next week. Hello. And, um, we don't care, but it is (laughs) (laughs) a very important rivalry. Oh yes, absolutely. (laughs) The biggest ever. It's, um, they, you know what? Seba has to, Seba has to play nice with others and relax. They all have to relax. There was so much desperation in that game. And you should never be desperate when you're up two men. And that was the confusing part was they looked, they were like, oh my God, we, we have to score a goal right now. You have 40 minutes to score a goal. Settle the hell down. And, and look how fast they scored the first goal after the first red card. It was almost immediate. It was what, exactly. like 90 seconds after play yeah. restarted, they got a goal. Um, but yeah, they, uh, at one point they had Nick Haglund playing striker. Nick Haglund is not a striker. Um, okay. I I won't push that. I I doubt that he will ever be appearing as a striker again. Um, well, the thing is, so let me just, let me just circle back to that really quickly. So Nick Haglund, who is not a striker, but has spent some time with TFC two and played a more forward role, apparently, in a couple games and scored a goal. And we've joked about this with Nick Haglund for years, ever since he became TFC member. Whenever he plays, he's always way up there. And we're like, where are you going? You're not a forward. Get back on defense, you bad haircut person. Um, We've determined he cuts his own hair, by the way. And um, (laughs) it was one of those things that was a very controversial discussion on our show was whether or not Vanny had any other options. And I was like, well, the option was to not do that. Um, if you're going to put Hagland on, put him on for a defender, move somebody else up. What is wrong with what Jordan Hamilton was doing? Nothing. Um, Jordan Hamilton, who is, by the way, scoring goals more than Seba. So why take him off the pitch? I don't know. It's, uh, yeah. It was just a, one of those was... fucked up games that I just mm. hope we never see the like of again. Yeah, I was just telling um, over the uh, when he scored against Columbus, I was mentioning that Hamilton had as many goals as Fabian Espindola did at the time. Espindola then scored immediately um, well, within go. like twenty four hours of that. But um, no, uh, I guess that's that's my my uh, my other question is that that goal uh, in Columbus was Jay Chapman setting up Jordan Hamilton yeah. for a goal, and it wasn't just a pass, you know, with no one marking. It was actually a really clever move. Uh, from the entire TFC team. And this was the game that they played without Giovinco. Um, yeah. When he was at the ESPYs slash resting, quote, scare quotes, very large on either side. Um, <laughs> how how enthusiastic are you about not just those two, but the general uh, kind of enforced use of young players at TFC, but they've, they've turned out looking pretty decent? You know, it is... It's a really nice thing to see that they can come into the game and actually perform because they're the first earlier on the season when I think Jay Chapman's first game, we were all like, oh, oh, let's just, oh, no. Oh, wait, dear gods, no, don't do that. <laughs> um, you know, it was out of all the kids that started to suddenly get time. He looked the weakest. But as more time has gone on, it's been really, really nice to see his work in the midfield and to see what he's done and to see him connect with Jordan Hamilton that way. A player who's long been a big question mark 
um, since sort of storming on to TFC Academy national team scene a few years ago as a bit of a phenom and then disappeared as a, oh, what is, can he just not score? Can he not play? Is he a head case? Who knows? And now he's getting time and producing and producing confidently, which I think is a real difference than what we've seen from all of them the first little while. And so it, it, for most of us, or at least those of us who are also national team fans, but also who really like the academy system and want there to be proper development um, for TFC uh, players and through this system, is to see that they can come onto the field and they can compete with teams and that they can calmly and professionally play and not look out of place. And that's not always the case. They're obviously still really raw and have a lot to learn, but that they have managed to sort of keep the team um in there and, and keep them well within the standings and help them win the Voyager's Cup and all those things is, I think, is a great sign and may be a turning point that means that TFC doesn't ruin young Canadian players anymore. Because quite frankly, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's one of the hallmarks of Toronto. <laughs> is uh, You want to play professionally? Run, run fast, run far. So... <laughs> Um, I guess to to stay on the to, to stay on the the young players note, but to be a little selfish for me, how's uh, the ex University of Maryland player Subasa Endo doing? Um, he's playing a lot, um, but what are your thoughts on on not just how he's been, but what is his role going forward, especially once Bradley and Will Johnson and Josie Altador all come back? You know what? It's funny. It's like I really like Endo, and I think. I think he's had some really good games and I think he's had some really forgettable games. And I think he's been asked to do a lot right out the gate um, in his, in his rookie year. Um, I think the real question isn't so much as what happens when Bradley and Will Johnson come back. It's whether or not he is now superseded uh, Marky Delgado. Cause he and Delgado play, they play similarly and, and, Mar- and they both, again, stepped in to do certain things um, in during the absence of injuries and to help fill out the bench. But um, we love his hair. He's got our, he's got our favorite hairstyle and yeah. uh, we love that he is, uh, has an anime character named after him or vice versa. That's another big plus for him. Any, anything that we can meme up is amazing. Yeah. So we want him to right. play as much as humanly possible. And it's, is his hair anything like the anime character? A little bit. Yeah. It's, it's, good it's kind of funny we're we're kind of pleased with that so i think is, there, there's a future for him i think that in a perfect world he wouldn't have been asked to play this much this year but you know what they did it right out the gate even before there was injuries it was mm-hmm. like hello draft pick you get on the field off you go and let us hear yeah. your heartwarming tale of escaping tsunamis and earthquakes and dreaming of coming to mls or whatever it was um every game every game i, I do kind of wish I kind of wish his story included at least something that happened in College Park outside of soccer because <laughs> I have a ton of stories about things that happened inside College Park that don't have to do with soccer. <laughs> and I would just like to have him say, like, I got I got really drunk at the Fay one night. And that's part of the story. I don't know what good would come of that, but it would it would warm my heart because I got drunk at the Fay many nights uh, and some <laughs> awesome things happened. But this is a soccer podcast and not the the <laughs> college park drinking podcast. Darn I don't know. It. It's no, it's all, kind it of is also too. that <laughs> a little. I feel like little. it serves a dual purpose. So <laughs> remember, we're not a soccer podcast with a drinking problem. We're a drinking pro- podcast. I have several with a friends. Problem. I have several friends who have Actually, asked me not to use their names in stories because they would <laughs> like to keep having their jobs. Um, so 
I don't use the I don't name them by name because I don't want them to get fired. Oh my god, that's fabulous! I love it. <laughs> You're a good friend, Jason. Uh, so, <laughs> so we've talked to, we, we've 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 talked around him a little bit, but uh, in this last game, uh, U.S. men's national team fans noticed that one uh, Josmer Altador was back <laughs> on the bench. Yeah, well. Uh, what, what is his role with this team going forward? Is he to look menacing on to the s- bench? Do you think he does he have a chance to storm back onto the field, or is of he gonna, is he going to be a, a six million dollar paperweight for a little while? Um, well, that's what he's been. That's what he was on Saturday. He um, no, I think the second that they feel he is fit, he will be out there. I was, I think, if the game had sort of had a different tone to it on Saturday. And if he had, I actually expected him to be on the bench on Wednesday and to get minutes on Saturday. And when he didn't, when he wasn't, didn't travel at all on Wednesday, it was like, oh, okay. So they're going to just let him have the bench appearance on Saturday. I will be very surprised if he doesn't get minutes this weekend um, because they've been touting his recovery for some time. Now it always takes him longer to come back than they think it's going to. And they have to be so freaking careful with him because if you look at him wrong, he hurts something. But they have to get him back out there for a couple reasons. One, he's worth a gazillion dollars, apparently. Whatever. Um, but also, there is the SEBA issue. And a lot of people are pointing to Josie's absence as what is really ailing SEBA. There's no one to draw defenders. There's no one to hold up the ball. We don't have a big center guy to be that, you know, player to play off of. And whether that's true or not, it's not, the two aren't completely linked together. We look more to Seba's Euro snub as uh, his true turning point. We think he's a little, we think he's upset. Um, Not Defoe upset, but he's upset. And um, it's whether or not whether or not he can stay healthy. And I, I think for Josie, if he can't come back and finish out the season and stay healthy, I think that there is a very reasonable request, thought, uh, maybe future plan, that he no longer be a member of TSC. And, and I don't think that that's um, a bad thing to think. I think if you're spending $6 million on a player who is a DP, who is taking up, you know, who gets minutes regardless. Like he comes back, Jordan Hamilton sits down. And Jordan Hamilton has finally been had a chance to play and put, you know, good minutes together and score some goals and show some maturity and some confidence. But he's not Josie Altador and Josie will take that time. And, and that's too bad. Now, you know, yes, we would like it if TFC was more of a Canadian national team feeder program as opposed to the U.S. national team, um, you know, Team North, whatever. Um, but... Um, it's not that I don't want Josie to do well. I, you know, I've seen him score some nice goals. I, he confuses me as a player. He, he has for two years. So, um, but no, the second he's healthy, no longer a paperweight. He will be out there every single game as much as they can, as much as they can pull out of him. He will be there. And then I guess my other question is, uh, uh, would you be willing to, to do a trade? You give us the three points and we can send you a gently used tally hall. Does that interest you? (laughs) Tempting. Um, no. Clint Irwin will be back by the end of August. We will hang on. (laughs) Um, although I do love Tally Hall's name, but it's still my favorite keeper name, possibly one of my favorite player names in all of MLS. There's there's a band named after him. What? 
like a band a band saw his name and named themselves after him. I don't think they're like well known, but they are there is a band that exists. If you search Tally Hall on Google, you will see music results as well as the goalkeeper Tally <laughs> Hall who is not a musician as far as I know. Uh, are they like uh, probably ska? I want to say like, are they a ska band? Ska. Or, like pop punk or ska, I think somewhere in there. Yeah. I had no idea. I just heard the name Tally Hall and it's like if that's a band, that's no, a that's band. No, that's a band that, yeah, exactly that would have like in nineteen ninety nine would have been like, We need to make a band. Uh, I have a name. Oh, oh my god! Well, open it, I'm opening for this up. Opening for real big fish. It's Tally Hall. <laughs> yeah, I saw them. Now, now I want year. this to happen. I know very much, right? So, I'm so Kristen. Is is there a player on TFC with whom you would be willing to part for Tally Hall? That player could be Gam or Tam. Uh Josie Alcador. No. Um. Yes. <laughs> he's so, all yours. American. Except he's not TAM eligible, which means DC United's owners Damn at it. this point will not will not. Can you keep about you know five million dollars of his salary? <laughs> um, who would I give up for Tally Hall? I would, and not in okay. I I do have a player, but not in a mean way. Only, you have to play him only because I want him to do better. I want him to have an opportunity to. I think he needs a change of scenery if he can't figure out his shit this season, and that's Jonathan Osorio. And that is hard for me to say because I love Oso. I think he's got a lot of potential and he has a good future, but he is struggling this season. And whether it's the the system that Vanny plays or what it is, but I think he needs I think he needs a change of scenery and to to fully flourish. And everyone knows that when TFC players leave TFC, they achieve wonderful things. So this could be his chance. And you would have uh, you would have a good midfielder, a uh, guy who likes to cut inside, and can actually distribute the ball because someone tried to tell him he was a goal scorer and he can only do that occasionally. He's much better at assisting on things, um, and he's super passionate. So you'd be getting a good trade. Um, I would be sad, but then I would come to DC more often to watch him play. I would absolutely take that trade right? in a heartbeat. See, look at that. Look at how nice I'm being. I, so I want to clarify oh. before we go on that <laughs> if you search Tally Hall in without quotes, the band actually comes up before the <laughs> soccer player. Um, the first thing, the first result is their their band website. The second result is a Wikipedia disambiguation page where you can find <laughs> the band or the soccer player, then the soccer player, then the band Wikipedia page. But if you look on the right side where they just come up with whatever the most popular result is. It is the band. It is not Tally Hall, the goalkeeper. Oh, my um, gosh. And then after whom the team is named, or for whom the band is yeah. named. So the, the band is Tally Hall. Uh, they apparently have a the, – the, the claim is that they have a significant cult following. Um, though, <laughs> those, are, uh, those are two kind okay, of which is contradictory terms. Uh, I, mean, I mean, significant following and cult following – are really different things. <laughs> That's true. And and as the person who, who runs a cult, I feel like we're talking about like <laughs> like a hundred people, two hundred people. Um that's what I'm thinking Did of when I think on of the band a cult write following. that Wikipedia page. I thought that well no, this is the Google this is just the little Google summary that pops up when you search uh, a person. That's, that's usually pulled from Wikipedia though, isn't it? Usually, usually but yeah. not always. That's but hilarious. in any case, um yeah, the band. Oh, if you guys want to giggle, actually speaking of Wikipedia, you should check out Greg Fanny's like Wikipedia Tally page. Hall's Someone has been to. unremarkable. He's played in MLS Cup finals before. 
Um, but uh, yeah, he is still behind the band. I feel like this might be the m- most Tally Hall the band has ever been. About. <laughs> or Tally Hall the player, maybe even. Maybe. <laughs> what if we although, find out although, that they're they're actually more popular than than DC United or Toronto FC? That would be, and we just aren't the right music listeners. I don't know. They they're certainly more popular on the internet than Tally Hall. Which, sorry, buddy, that's rough going. Kristen, I I know earlier this season I remember asking you you this question. BMO Field had significant upgrades (laughs) this off season, and you had not yet played a game in those upgrades, including the giant damn nineteen ton required 8,000 cranes lifting it simultaneously uh, to put the it canopy, up. Yeah. You, yeah. Last time we, we spoke, Toronto FC had yet to play a game there. Now they've, they've played several. What are your impressions of the new upgraded oh, Um Our impression is, is that the canopy over the South stand is a waste. It doesn't, it, it will apparently, it will hold TIFOs. Apparently there is TIFO rigging there groups ever you know come together to do something exciting like that that requires rigging so that'll be fun um it doesn't protect us from the rain it doesn't protect us from the sun depending on where you're sitting and depending on the time of day and you know it looks impressive it's supposed to keep in the sound it is very very big. big it is also really far above our heads um because there's going to be temporary stands behind us for the winter classic Hockey! Yay! Um, which is why. They have, uh, I don't know. It's, I guess it's the, I guess it's a good thing. It's just, it's funny. You look at it and you think it's unfinished. So you look at the, the three stands that have canopies, roofs, whatever, and none of them have backs to them. None of them come down. There's just, like, the corners still aren't filled in. There's just this sense that there could be more to this that would make it truly sort of impressive. And so when we, in the lead up to going into our home opener, there was, uh, you know, certain members of the media who were, this is the most amazing, you, you're, you will have your socks blown off. You are just going to mind blown, money well spent. Oh my goodness. And we're like, um, yeah, I sure. If you say so, we don't really feel that. Um, I know my friends that sit on the east stand. They're like, we don't know about you guys, but we can't hear a damn thing anymore. <laughs> We're like, oh, okay. Instead of hearing more, you can't hear. Well, wow. What happens is, great. and we we noticed this the first few games as well that um, the supporter groups who are down at the other end of our section because we're we're all in the south stands and. The louder ones are down on the other in the other corner. We couldn't necessarily. Yeah. All right. Real quick before you go on, is is BMO and oriented east west as a north field south. or north south? Like the goals. Yeah. The goals are at the north. So and south. south stand is okay. supporter stand. Uh, north stand they demolished last year in order to allow for um, yeah you know the expansion for the CFL games. And the first game, the home opener was hilarious. It was just like a big flat area that they crowded some people into. Now they've actually got like some temporary seating. It's not so bad. It looks like a little bit of a party patio, but there's actual seating and you can sit up and stuff. So it's not terrible. But um, we couldn't hear what the supporter groups were doing. We're like, does anyone, what chance is that? Does anyone know? And, and we're like, we, we don't know what's happening. Um, 
it's very much the sound gets, I feel like it gets funneled out onto the field as opposed to into the surrounding stands, which I guess is what you want. You want the players to be able to hear you, but it, it really still feels, it still feels unfinished. It feels like there's another step coming that they haven't told us about yet. It's like a secret step. Um, it's probably not the case. This is probably what they think. They think it's amazing. Um, we think it's okay. Whether it was worth all the money, who knows? All right, and our last question for you is the same last question we've asked you every time you've been on the show. If you were in Ben Olsen's shoes, how would you game plan against the particular version of Toronto FC that, that he's going to see? On uh, defend, 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 because TFC doesn't know how to break down a good defense and put as many men on Seba as you want because he's the only one that's going to have the ball most of the time because they're going to send in crosses to nobody or Seba's going to have the ball and shoot from ridiculous distances. And that's what about at the other end oh, of the field? Gosh, Where should United it depends attack? on who, if Mark Bloom is playing, go down his wing. Uh, it's true. <laughs> and, you know, I'm happy to have him back. It's nice. It's a nice little story. We like Mark Bloom. We call him poor Mark Bloom as a joke, but sort of seriously, you know, he hasn't played in a year and a half uh, for, for the first team. And he's clearly still rusty. And the two, three games he's played, every team has been like, Oh, that guy. Go down his way. That's the that's the key to glory. That's the path to glory right there. Hasn't hasn't he ended up in a like three five two like on the wing in that situation yep. both of the times he's played? Twice. I know it happened once. Um because I, I watched yep. that one. Did it, has it happened both times? Yeah, and that's and that's not oh my God. Sorry. Sorry. This is an incredible thing just happened. Um one of Ben or Jason tweeted from the filibuster twitter account that tally hall the band comes up earlier in google search results than tally hall the goalkeeper that was me we got retweeted and quoted by the tally hall band fan headquarters who responded (laughs) ah just as it should be um that happened live during the goalkeeper I, I don't know. I think he's, he's like the band. He, no, but but if you're if you like a band <laughs> named after a guy, and that's clearly what happened here, they saw his name, they liked it, <laughs> and they took it for their band. Shouldn't you also at least sort of support the key goalkeeper rather than being like, no, screw that guy? I think any any fans of Tally Hall the band um, should email us or or tweet at us. You you obviously know our Twitter handle now. Um, but email us filibusterpodcast at gmail.com and tell us one what genre of music Tally Hall the band plays because I want to know <laughs> if it's ska. And and two, a commitment to root for Tally Hall the goalkeeper because he inspired your band that you like. And you should have oh their own section at RFK. Um, if Tally Hall ever <laughs> plays, absolutely. Um, but he's He's a good keeper who should be playing somewhere, and that's just not going to happen at DC United because who's Bill magical? Hamid. That's that's it. Because I, I am I am glad for you super that cute. you guys have him back. I am sad for us that he is back for when we have to play you because um, I like Bill Hamid. You know how much I like Bill Hamid, and uh, I got I I, I, I really do. Um, I got stick tonight on our show for my my. Bill Hamid slash DC United love. It's like, what do you mean you like DC United? I'm like, well, if there was a TFC, I'd probably be a DC United supporter. What? 
Um, we've decided it's because your uniforms are mostly black and red and have an eagle on them, and it's like I'm supporting Albania. So that's the that's the theme. That's the, that's the, that's the they've, they've decided that this is the reason. <laughs> we when when we'll Hamid Salihi played here, there was a like a solid like hundred strong group of Albanians. They were not what? DC United fans. They were temporary. They were temporary DC they fans. Were they were here for Hamdi Salihi, and he just happened to be wearing a DC United jersey. So like, we're in. As long as he's here, we're in. And they were in. They Damn like right. traveled to road games. Um, they showed they showed up everywhere. Uh, but then once he <laughs> yeah. left, it was like, well, goodbye. <laughs> they never um, They're in Montreal <laughs> supporting Dilly Duca so. now. So, um. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. he was Albanian. <laughs> Yeah, uh, uh, they've they've yeah. tried to get him to play for their national team. Uh, he just has said no, basically. Probably, you know, probably a pain in the ass to play for them uh, as a professional in MLS anyway. Um, but Still, in any he, case... He's not going to make the U.S. national team. If he wants to play no, nationally, that's his option. No, but it does hurt your um, club situation if you're traveling to play European qualifiers, especially for, like, Oi. kind of a lost cause, I'm sorry. Kristen, I'm sorry to say. They scored a goal <laughs> in Euro. We um, don't care. That, that we are we triumph true. right there. <laughs> World Cup, here we come to qualify. Nothing more. Will I don't know. I think at this point you're looking true. up at Wales and Iceland. <laughs> Kristen, thank you so much for coming on the show again. Please tell our listeners where they can can find you because they absolutely uh, you can be find me you at Casey Knowles on Twitter. Uh, you can find our website, vocalminority.ca, um, obviously vocalminority.ca and the Twitter handle is the same at vocalminority.ca. And uh, yeah, please follow along, engage, send me tweets. I love to chat. I'll uh, talk a little smack occasionally, um, but it's a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me on. You know, I, you know, I love coming on talking to you guys. So. And we love having you. Everyone find us at blackandredunited.com or on Twitter at filibusterdcu for the podcast at blackandredu. For the website, send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can find us on all of those things. Um, we're also on Overcast and other podcast apps that pull RSS feeds. So just find us. And if you can't find us, email us and we'll make sure you can find us. Uh, because that's the important thing, that you find us. Um, the most important thing, though, even more important than that, is telling a friend about the show. We really like it when people do that, and it makes us feel happy. And when we're happy, we make better podcasts. Not that we make great podcasts anyway. Kristen, thank you again. For Jason and Ben, I'm Adam Taylor, and we'll talk to you real Bye, soon. Jason. Say goodbye, Jason. Oh, well, Jason. Turn the lights off. Everybody likes to take it